what I see with a lot of ADHD influencers on TikTok and professionals, there's, you know, lots of psychologists on there and therapists as well, is that we just kind of give people some bite-sized pieces and some personal experiences that help us not feel so alone. And when we don't feel so alone, then we're not as afraid to go learn. Hello, and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber. I want to just quickly share with you a DM I received recently from a new listener, and holy crap, it is so relatable. She wrote, I just started listening, and I just wanted to pop in to say thank you. I have many more articulate sentiments swirling through my brain right now, but the feeling of finally being seen and understood and to hear stories of these badass successful women is just so emotionally overwhelming, I can't get the thoughts out. So I'll just leave it at thank you. I'm excited to hear and see more as I navigate my diagnosis, career, and life. You rock. I read that and I was like, dang, that is an ADHD mood, am I right? So I thought you all would get a kick out of that. And as I have said several times before, I understand how incredibly difficult it can be to get your thoughts down into words, especially when your head is just exploding with connections and epiphanies and mind-blowing revelations about your own ADHD. So I am doubly appreciative anytime you can write a review or email me or reach out with a DM. The time it takes to sit down and articulate your appreciation for this podcast means the world to me because I get it. It is hard. Okay, let's get into it with episode 24, in which I interview the lovely Camden Hainsworth. Camden was diagnosed with ADHD in the fall of 2019 at the age of 36. And even though she was a sixth grade teacher for years and taught lots of kids with ADHD, And even though her own daughter was diagnosed with ADHD, she still didn't recognize it in herself because of so many of the misconceptions we all have about hyperactivity. Once diagnosed, she very quickly began advocating and researching to learn how to build her new amazing life as an ADHDer. She's always felt the most fulfilled helping others realize their true potential. And her messaging and her warmth and her nurturing spirit have clearly resonated with many of us on social media, especially on TikTok, where she has grown quite a large following. In our interview, we talk about how to lean into your ADHD strengths in order to live your best life. And we also talk about her ADHD directory, which offers one-time, one-on-one consultations to help ADHDers connect with personal and tailored resources, including coaches, podcasts, books, subscriptions, anything that will help direct you in your own ADHD journey. Camden lives with her husband and three daughters in Springville, Utah, and she enjoys spending time in the nearby mountains, traveling, working on home improvement projects, and serving in her community and church. I know you will love this interview, so here we go. Enjoy. All right. So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your diagnosis and when you when you received it and kind of what were the moments that led up to you getting that diagnosis in your own life in adulthood? Sure. Okay. I would say back in October of 2019. So this is right before a pandemic hit the U S <laughs> it was still really rampant in China. Um, 
But right before that happened, I had what I kind of termed my mental breakdown and uh, it just felt different. Something happened in my brain, something shifted in my body. Um, I had been going through a lot of stress uh, in, in my business that I was running. And then my brain just said, we're done. <laughs> you know, I just said, we've, we've tried the best that we can, but it's not happening anymore. And I did not know what it was. And I was led to ADHD through an ADHD meme <laughs> of all things. Uh, I feel like it was an answered prayer, honestly, because I didn't know what the heck was going on. And I remember sitting at my computer, seeing it very like nonchalantly just pop up in a Google image. And my daughter has ADHD. So I know that that I've searched for things like that before, but I was like, wait a second, why does that resonate with me? And then it brought me to a whole nother page of them. And I was like, oh man, this is me. This is, you know, this isn't just funny anymore. Like this is actually what might be the reason behind why I'm feeling this way. So then I went down the rabbit hole and I, you know, started listening to lots of podcasts. I reached out to as many coaches and specialists that I could, um, just getting to know them, getting to know what they were doing, followed a whole bunch of people on Instagram. <clears throat> and I felt like this really big inclination to share my journey because I felt like if I'm going through this, other people must be going through this too. So that's when I started Camden ADHD, Camden underscore ADHD on Instagram. And it really was just to like put my story out there that if you're feeling like this at 36 years old, 37 years old, whatever it is, you're not alone. And there might be reasons behind it. You're not losing your mind. You're not going crazy. Um, but to shed some light on it. So I did that. And then I started my TikTok uh, December 2019, right before the pandemic hit. It caught some traction. And um, it's been really amazing. So I actually did nine months, nine months, let's see, October, November, December, January, eight or nine months before I was actually in the clinician's office. So I saw a nurse practitioner in a psychiatrist's office. And that's when I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm advocating for a whole bunch of adults with ADHD. I should probably get an official diagnosis. And I did. And I was interested in what medication might help me with. And so I knew that that was also the route to do that. Um, I think I finally felt like I was ready to receive a diagnosis as well. Uh, whereas before I was just trying to gather puzzle pieces and for me, it was the right decision. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm curious, you said your daughter was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Usually that seems to be the next logical step for a lot of us. A child is diagnosed and then you're hearing, you start to do some research because you want to help your child. And then you're like, oh my God, this is my brain. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, right? But that wasn't, that didn't happen for you? No. How long ago was your daughter diagnosed? Yeah, so I was an elementary school teacher for a number of years. And then um, my daughter was diagnosed at three years old based upon her hyperactivity, extremely, extremely mm. hyperactive. And so when she started preschool, I wanted to, I, I just remembered like having sweet ADHD kids in my classroom and I wanted to give her the best leg up that I could. And so that's when we took her in and the doctor was like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it was very, very evident that she had ADHD, but my oldest is adopted. And so I didn't start to, I didn't think like a lot of the time there's right. a biological link, that makes sense. but because okay. she was adopted, it was just like, everything is new with her. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't go straight to my genetics. 
Yeah. And, and as a teacher, you were a sixth grade teacher, correct? Right. Yeah. So that's uh-huh. when, I mean, that's when the diagnoses really start to, or the symptoms really start to ramp up. I think in a lot of kids, I know looking at back at my own experience, it was middle school that it all went off a cliff for me (laughs) and um, lots of theories as to why, if it was, it's hormonal or if it's sort of structure or what, or expectations, whatever it is. But I think a lot of kids really start to struggle in middle school. And so I'm curious, like, did you, when you were a teacher and you said you had ADHD kids in your classroom, were they, do you recognize, did you recognize the girl's symptoms as well as the boy's symptoms? Because so many of us think, you know, ADHD is hyperactivity, being disruptive. Yeah. Uh, and, and so many girls fall under the radar as a result because they tend to be daydreamers or they tend to be sort of just disorganized, but often can can get by. Mm-hmm. Definitely did not recognize it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I did. I was not well informed at all. Yeah, I I loved my ADHD years, um, but those were the ones that were already diagnosed, mm-hmm. and or the ones that I, it was hyperactive, or that they were <clears throat> angry, or I could tell that they were really struggling to focus, or things like that. But no, I was completely un- uninformed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just that. recently, I just recently. Um, hyper-focused on my report cards. And I went into my attic and found my baby book and all of my report cards and was going through them just out of curiosity, because I had always kind of remembered getting those comments from teachers like, you know, not performing up to your potential. And I was, I was in the gifted program from third grade on and was always sort of expecting I was going to get kicked out at any minute because my (laughs) grades were terrible. And I always joked that I was in the gifted underachievers club. (laughs) Um, and, and so I actually wanted to go, um, and, and like literally get actual statements from my teachers and and do something with them. I'm not sure I have a lot of ideas about what I want to do with them, but you know, it was really, it was, it was interesting to me because like, it's so clear the signs were there from even from much younger than I would have expected, you know, even in first grade and second grade that my teachers were saying I was distracted by conversation and, and printing. I was really surprised. I was a terrible hand, had terrible handwriting. And my son who is in the fourth grade, who hasn't been diagnosed just because I mean, he has it. It's just, it's just getting the official diagnosis that we haven't done because of remote learning and, yeah, and all the crazy, mm-hmm. all the crazy. Yeah, that's a, such a great shorthand. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's like trademark that, uh, but like, you know, um, he really, really struggles with his handwriting. And so I was mm-hmm. sort of one of the things that's also on the list is like dyspraxia and, mm-hmm. and, and that connection. Um, but I didn't even realize I had that issue, uh, but I think the thing that makes me saddest looking back at my report cards is just sort of the, the decline in my grades as I went through middle school. And then by high school, I had given up, you know, I had so mm. many teachers telling me over and over, you can do better. You need to be more consistent, you know, and, and always saying like disappointing effort. And so as I'm going through these report cards, I realized like, I just gave up on myself, you know, like it yeah. was actually really a sad, you know, a lot of us have grief and, and, and that moment of grief and resentment when we sort of look back at our life and all of those things that, yeah. that, like how did nobody have been? What could have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I just felt so sad for that, for that high schooler who just like, you know, she just gave up on herself. Well, you can only be told those types of things for so long, having put in your full effort, you know, that all of a sudden your full effort, you know, isn't going to 
you know, bring new results or different results. What is that quote? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over without getting new different results. Expecting different results. Yeah, exactly. Expecting different results, yeah. right? And that's a lot of the time what us as ADHDers and our kids are running into is that if they don't, if they're not given new tools or new perspective or new, you know, help, then they're just going to keep doing the thing that everyone else is telling them to do, which is just do it, work harder, try more, (laughs) you know, and you're like, "Uh (laughs) if only, you know, like, no, I really like you telling me that I'm totally underachieving every day of my life. Like, I just love that. (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know. Well, and and that's the other thing I saw a lot of, which was, yeah, like you said, the try harder part, which was like, why on earth would a child with ADHD want to put more effort into something they loathe? Yeah. Which is really what's happening here. they're not naturally good at. Right. And then, Mm -hmm. oh, and that's the other thing too, which was like inconsistent, more consistent effort is needed. And I'm like, you know, the same way that when I was told I, I wasn't reaching my potential, I was like, well, what is my potential? First of all, why is everybody seeing it? And I'm not, can somebody yeah. please articulate what this potential what is means? to me? What yeah. does it even mean? And so as I was looking over the report cards again, I was like, why is consistency important? You know, like why as a teacher, you know, why as a student is consistency something we value in society, right? right? And I was sort of like, is it like a self-esteem issue or is there something, or is it just like they want to see all A's, you know? And I think that we just put the value in the wrong places. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're exactly right. Uh, one of, one of my coaches says that as ADHD years, we are consistently inconsistent (laughs) and that we don't make that mean anything about us. Like at the end of the day, if, if we're living the life that is, lovely and is the life that we want to create, then really the consistency doesn't matter, you know, um, unless it's like brushing our teeth or something where we don't you know, want to have cavities. But even with that, if we're willing to take the consequences then we're willing to take the consequences and it, you're exactly right. It's where we place the, the emphasis, what, where are the values? And that's something that I actually work with a lot of my clients with, is are you wanting to be consistent or are you wanting to be organized? Are you wanting to be less messy because you want it or because you think that's what society tells you a functional adult looks like? And when they start to really internalize that they have power over whatever life is going to be the perfect life for them, then all of a sudden the consequences of ADHD sometimes aren't nearly as heavy or weighty on them anymore because they realize they're the boss applesauce. And if they make their rules... They can claim their rules. They can change their rules. They can do whatever they want to create the life of their desires and their dreams. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I feel like I say this all the time in terms of just my own journey. Like the biggest thing that has changed for me is my self-talk. Um, and and it's the empowerment. Yes. It's the sense of empowerment and, and living your entire life without that fundamental element of self-empowerment because of all the ways in which we sort of felt like everybody got the manual and we never did, you know, and all of <laughs> yeah. these ways in Where's which we- Where's the secret? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but always sort of feeling like you bring a sense of confusion to every situation. And to so, so suddenly feel like, okay, now I understand how I work. Now I understand how I can advocate for myself and for, like, it's just, oh, I'm giving myself goosebumps because I'm just thinking <laughs> about like how- um, you know, often I'll just like, I feel like I'm starting over again in, in, in this exciting way, because just that sense of like anything is possible, you know? 
this, you're reminding me of a, <clears throat> I just took a personality test. I'm trying to refine like what my strengths are and everything. I'm, t- I'm taking lots of them. I am such a lover of knowledge. <laughs> so I just do all the things. I don't really put all my eggs in one basket. I just try to learn myself. Anyway, um, I, I hear what you're saying about feeling like you're always adding to the confusion. And my perspective and experience was a little bit different Whereas I was very good at showing up like a neurotypical, showing up as though I had everything put very well together and nobody actually knew what was actually going on, including myself. Um, I just knew that it took me a lot more effort and a lot more stress and a lot more hard work to show up like everyone else. And I want to bring up that personality test because it was really cool. It showed that when I care less about details, spelling errors, um, leaving out a word, things like that, when I care less about that, all of my other leadership qualities went up. They all skyrocketed. So what I saw is that when I put less stress on me, having to look like everyone else and pretend like I didn't have ADHD, my leadership skills were actually lower. But then when I just said, you know what, I have ADHD. If I make mistakes, sometimes that's okay. All of a sudden, all of my leadership qualities, my dominance, my influence, my all those types of things just rose to the top. And so, yeah, we can live in this world, even sometimes like forcing ourselves to show up like everyone around us. But what I'm learning about myself is that I am my most authentic self and I'm actually a lot more helpful to the world when I claim like who I am and all of that. And I'm not saying that I don't want to get more organized or I don't want to spell better or thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's not weighing on me as like, I am going to be unworthy if I spell something incorrectly, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just like, we all make mistakes. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You just brought up so many great points. I mean, masking, which is, you know, a whole other issue too, and sort of the emotional toll of masking and kind of yeah. um, trying, trying hard to show up um, as a neurotypical. And, and also that idea that like, if I'm doing something that I, I feel like I need, like I should be doing, but doesn't come easily to me, everything else falls by the wayside, yes. which I think is why so many of us struggle in motherhood mm. <laughs> because motherhood is something that is sold to us as happiness and wonderful. And we should be so <laughs> grateful, especially if we struggle with infertility or if they, we yeah. struggle with, with miscarriage. I mean, it's one of these things that we need to be so grateful for and have gratitude for. And so we, we hide all mm. of the struggle and, um, and, you know, I, so I feel like that was one of the hardest times for me in terms of my own depression and, and what I now realize I was misdiagnosed with postpartum depression and post and postpartum anxiety. And so I feel like so many of us, that's, you know, that's, what's being treated, not the ADHD. Um, but you know, those moments, I, I would in have life. loved to be diagnosed with those. Nobody <gasps> diagnosed me with anything. I'm telling you, I was very good oh. at masking. Yeah, I know, right? I, I would have loved to be diagnosed with anything at that point in my life. Now I know it was ADHD, you know, yeah. and probably some hormonal things. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's not an easy thing. It, ugh, it, it is a very terrible time. That's If there's anything that I am um, seeking therapy for, 
in terms of trauma from my ADHD symptoms is that period of my life mm. was when I had three little kids, three and under, four and under. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So just to backtrack a little bit, looking back um, over your life, what are some things either in your childhood or even early adulthood that you look back and you think, oh, of course, of course the signs were there. That was ADHD. Um, I think like what we were talking about, just like that determination, that grit that I had to use to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, elementary school, not so much, honestly. Um, elementary school is okay because I think you can just get by with being a good kid. You know, you can turn in your homework and you get the grades, right? Um, but when I think more of uh, middle school and high school, especially high school and college, <clears throat> uh, it's just, I just didn't do as well. And I, I remember they separated all of our school, our middle school into different like teams. And so I had friends that were on the intrepids. They were called the intrepid team and they had a certain amount, like certain teachers and they were all together. And I was on one called the lightning bolts. <laughs> And at that point, I could look around my classroom and I saw that a lot of the kids that I was with had learning disabilities. And I was like, why am I with the lightning bolts? And I wasn't meaning it in a negative way, but I was like, why am I not with the intrepids? It was really weird. But looking back, I'm like, oh, maybe they did see something. Maybe there was something about me being there or that I needed to learn a certain way that they weren't cluing me in on. Um, and and maybe that's just hearsay, but I do remember seeing that. (laughs) And that's kind of a strange thing for a sixth grader to like really start to notice, you know, um, I would say reading was huge for me having to read the same page a thousand times over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. and still not understanding what it was. I just thought I was a terrible reader. Um, I have since understood I have very mild dyslexia as well, which is often a comorbidity with ADHD, but a lot of that issue was not the dyslexia. It was the (laughs) ADHD. Um, It's so hard to untangle. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, Like history, memorizing dates. It's crazy. We all have our strengths, even in ADHD. But for me, that's, it was not a thing. Holding on to short-term memory things. I took European history my sophomore year in high school. I literally can remember one thing. And the one thing that I can remember was actually a like, what what are those funny like techniques that we use to help us remember the actual thing? It was something oh, about like famous, mnemonics. Yeah, mnemonics. Yeah, like famous Amy Amos cookies. My mom said, okay, just think of famous Amos cookies when you think of whatever it was. Well, I can't even remember the thing. <laughs> I can't even remember the hi- history. <laughs> My poor mom. Like she was trying so hard to help me. I don't remember a single thing. And somehow I passed the class because I think he saw I was just trying hard, but so many things like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many things. I took all the AP classes, failed all the AP tests. Like why? It's crazy. So a lot, a lot of it's school-based. I also look back in middle school and think, oh, I think I was, everyone's a little awkward in middle school, but I was like, oh, I was totally unaware of how different I was from the people I was trying to be friends with. Like how, how was I so unaware that, I was so different from the the kind of cool kids I kept trying to fit in with. I was so different. <laughs> and socially, it's just like that unawareness of yeah. who we are. It wasn't until I was in high school that I found some people that were just awesome. I think it came into my own, but even then. 
we have our own struggles. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to bring up relationships too, because I know so many women with ADHD look back and think like, okay, this explains why I've always felt like a terrible friend. (laughs) And, you know, because I had so many of those friendships, especially even from high school on, which were, you know, people feeling like they were getting irrationally angry with me because I wasn't behaving the way a friend was supposed to behave. And so I took that. Usually I would feel bad about myself and then I would feel like I didn't know how to be the good friend. So then I would retreat. Right. And, and so there's that there's the, there's the intentional retreating from friendships because you feel like you're a terrible friend and you don't want to upset them. But then I think there's also just the sort of object impermanence, short-term memory aspect of friendship, which is like, I will love to like have a coffee and sit with you and we will have the best conversation. But as soon as I walk away, I'm not going to remember your birthday. I'm probably Mm -hmm. not going to follow up, you know, all of those things that sort of make you just generally feel like a terrible friend. Um, and, and I think back like my best friends over the years are people who, um, I can not talk to for a year and then we just text. Right. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, you probably have ADHD too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that like going back and having that moment where you're sort of like, how do I tell all of my favorite people in life that the reason why they're my favorite people in life is because they probably (laughs) also have ADHD. Yeah. My daughter jokes about that too, because I'm, you know, like still in that phase where everything each of them does. My daughter's 13. My son is nine. They are very different um, in terms, especially in terms of academics. She is just incredible. She's really always been very, um, very like individually motivated. She's, she sets Mm -hmm. herself up with structure in such an incredibly competent way. I'm just always amazed. That's amazing. Especially with remote learning, like she's just like on the ball, but I still am convinced she has ADHD because of her heavy reliance on structure. You know, I think she's just sort of connected. She understands she has to have it. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas my son is a little younger and he's definitely like, he just has fallen apart. And, and a lot of his, a lot of our experience with remote learning and how my life imploded when we all were at home (laughs) and suddenly I didn't have a cleaning lady anymore. And everybody was home all the time and I had no time to myself. And it was just like, that was when, even though my therapist had been telling me for two years that I needed to look into ADHD, it was only, it was only when we were all at home where I really sort of felt the urgency of it. Yeah. That's so many of my clients too. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, and so it's funny because I'm always like, I'm everything they do, I'm I'm picking it apart, being like, oh, that's ADHD. Oh, that's ADHD. <laughs> and, my, and she always rolls her eyes. She's like, when mom has ADHD, everybody has ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> right? I know. Raise your hand if you're really good with your diet for a few days or weeks, but you always end up sabotaging your own efforts. Or you fear having certain foods in the house because you feel like you lack the self-control to avoid them when they're there. Or you feel like everyone but you has this whole eating and exercise thing figured out and you just want to scream, what is wrong with me? Well, guess what? You are not alone. In my book, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom, I share with you my own history with yo-yo dieting and binge eating from my very first diet at the age of 14 to the nearly 30 years I spent on a merry-go-round of weight loss and weight regain. I also share with you the six essential steps that helped me to finally break free from diet culture and rediscover my health and my self-worth. 
If you are ready to break free from dieting and binge eating cycle for good and heal your relationship with food and your body, head to worthitwithkatie.com to get your copy of my Worth It book today. Uh, so you do offer, speaking of clients, and, and w- let's talk about the ADHD rectory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> expecting there to be the extra D, and I love that there's not. <laughs> um, but uh, let's talk about sort of how you came up with this, because it's such a, it's a unique service, and I think it really tailors to the ADHD mind in such an important way and, and, and chronic overwhelm and some of the things that we really struggle with. But I also think that we also really struggle with asking for help in the first place because we don't know, we don't even know what is wrong and what to ask. And, and so tell me about how you started the directory, what it, what it offers and and how you kind of, what your clients are looking for. Okay. Well, like, like I mentioned before, I, I kind of started everything just to share my story um, with the hope of just helping add awareness and spread awareness. I was definitely not an expert at that point. I was just going through everything and wanted to have a friend along, you know, like let's bring some friends along. Um, But what happened is once I started gaining some traction on TikTok and people saw me as somebody that knew something, (laughs) shocking, I um, was like, okay, how do I get help to these people? And I'm a mom of three. And I'm running a business and it was a separate business. And I, anyway, I don't have to get into it. I was very busy, right? We all are. How do I make sure that I can help these people, but also not neglect my family, you know, neglect what's most important to me. And I literally had just like this clarity of thought and I was walking down my hall and it said ADH directory. It just like popped into my head. And I was like, what's that mean? You know, like what's the ADH directory? And then I started thinking about it. And the cool part about how I approached my pre-diagnosis was that I reached out to tons of people and that I sent them video memos and voice memos. And we got on Zoom calls with each other. And um, I was like, wait, people need to know about this. Like, this is so good. And so I started to send them podcasts and books and Instagram accounts and and things like that on, on the site, on my DMs. And then I realized I don't have time to answer all these DMs. So what about if I like set up an appointment with them and it just kind of spiraled. And now I I take consultations, um, not to like diagnose ADHD, obviously, but uh, to help people find their ADHD home, to find somewhere where they can land based upon their individualized challenges and the solutions and goals that they're hoping for. So if someone comes to me and they run their own business. Um, And during quarantine, they've lost all structure, (laughs) their kids are home, whatever it might be. Um, Then we'll get really down to the nitty gritty as to what about that makes it challenging. And then like, what would their ideal situation look like in their home running their business with their kids? And then I'll think of what coaches I have, what podcasts there are out there, what books, what um, blogs might be able to steer them in the right direction. And then they take it from there. The idea is like, we have this huge boulder in front of us and it's so all encompassing, but if we can just help have somebody just kind of steer the boulder in the right direction and start pushing with us so that it can start rolling down the hill. I hope that that, um, will allow some momentum in the right direction for them to happen. That's amazing. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that so many 
people with ADHD are coaches or, or so many coaches have ADHD because it makes sense. And yeah. I think that was something that I, um, you know, intuitively came into and, and realized through my coach training that being a coach isn't telling somebody what to do. It's asking the right questions. Yeah, and, exactly. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, it's actually quite a fun, easy job <laughs> if you enjoy so it and you fun. enjoy the client yeah, because fun. we're naturally inquisitive and we love solving puzzles, but you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm certainly not going to tell somebody with ADHD what to do and do not <laughs> tell me what to do, uh, <laughs> but I need my hand held. And I think that was a really important um, realization for me because I struggled with coaching I struggled with imposter syndrome as a coach before my diagnosis because I always sort of figured, well, A, I'm a hot mess. Who am I to coach anyone? Um, and B, you know, I just sort of struggled with the worth. I, you know, it's funny, ironic because my coaching business is called Worth It. Uh, but I really <laughs> did struggle with like being able to make those connect the dots when it came to like the worth of coaching and why would somebody pay for that when there's so much that we're struggling with and so much we're paying for. And, and so it was through my diagnosis that I really kind of was able to realize like how important it is for somebody with ADHD to have the help that they need, you know, how important there are certain things that are non-negotiables. Like a housekeeper was something that was an, I will pay for a housekeeper before I will pay for anything else, you know, like Uh that is so high up there because I understand that that's something, um, I, you know, all, uh, you know, that that's a a non-negotiable, a requirement. And, and so I realized, right. And I think coaching is something that people with ADHD, if they can, I mean, obviously if, if it's cost prohibitive, there are other options and we're really good at kind of Googling and falling down rabbit holes and finding mm-hmm. free resources. But I think it's being asked the right questions that is so essential in our lives to, to connect the, those dots because it's so, I think, understanding. We are the, we love puzzles, but we are the biggest, hardest puzzle we'll, we'll ever encounter, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes you just, it's overwhelming and you don't want to deal with it. And so you just put it off and you put it off and put it off. And so like having somebody commit, it's like, it's like body doubling for your mind, you know, uh-huh. having somebody come <laughs> in and be like, okay, let's, let's like, like, let's have some accountability. Let's work it. Let's work this out. And we need that so much. And yeah, certainly (laughs) you're reminding me of a, a podcast I listened to. And he always says, it's really hard to see the label of your bottle when you're inside your bottle. (laughs) Right. I love that. Who is that? uh, Okay. (laughs) So he, you know, he's like, you have to have somebody that can see the label from the outside, you know, it's not already inside and, and surrounded by it. And that's what coaching does is we ask those right questions that can then help you like, Oh yes, there's this many calories or this, this much vitamin D, (laughs) you know, like in from inside where we're at, but they can see the label. They can, they can see what questions we might need in order to really understand what the content of who we are is inside. And it's so fun. It it really is. I like how you said handholding because that's, (laughs) it's adding structure and, that I guess I didn't really touch on that point that there, I mean, we can do it on our own, right? We can go on Google. We can, we can do all the work ourselves. but sometimes that lends us to analysis paralysis where we're like, am I going to choose the right coach? Am I going to know the right thing? Am I going to go with the right theory? You know? And, uh, for me, I just say, trust yourself. Number one, you're not going to completely screw yourself up. Like be prudent, be understanding, like 
don't be dumb. <laughs> but most of the time, like if you're, if you made it this far in life, like go with your gut, go with your instinct. Um, but if not, that's why I do like my service is because it allows me to see the outside of your bottle for a sec and say, Hey, you might want to start here. And then you don't have to spend the hours on Google unless you want to. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. But yeah, it's, it's really good. And that's what coaches do too. We think that we have all this huge problem. Like it's just one big ginormous problem, but a coach can ask us a question that helps us see these and in individualized independent of each other situations. And then we can choose one of those. And then we can break that one down into smaller pieces as well. That's what I see with, I have a couple one-on-one clients myself and they're starting businesses. These are people that have an idea. They want to start businesses. They want to get like on social media or their business set up pretty much. And they're like, business. That's <laughs> all they want. It's like all at once. Like we want everything done right now, the most efficiently all at the same time, like business, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's beautiful. I love business, you know, but let's, let's break it down. Let me hold your hand in these particular reasons, these particular areas. Let's ask you some questions. And so it's really cool to work with ADHDers that want business so that we can, you know, uh, really get clear on what kind it is that they want and how, oh, man, we struggle. <laughs> I know, <laughs> struggle I know. The small parts of the bigger picture, you know, to really see those puzzle pieces of the bigger picture. Um, but with a coach like you, with, with helpful hints, with asking for help, man, it starts to empower us so that we can start to break things down, it becomes a part of who we are, part of our our habits. Um, and, and we start to believe in it more, I think too, like we aren't so shy to approach it as, Oh, this isn't going to work. This is going to feel completely inefficient. Oh, you know, taking time to, to draw out this list. Ah, that's a waste of my time. Now we're going to say, no, you know what? Every time I do that, it actually lends the results that I want. Mm. (laughs) And I, you know, now I have those tools. So, so fun. Love it. I know I call it my runway. You know, I have an amazing business coach who really helps me. She, you know, she makes me sort of create milestones and I can't do anything until I reach those milestones because my tendency is to immediately see something and chase after it. And so, you know, she, uh, she makes me keep a list. And so the list is called building my empire. Oh, I love and, that. Right. And yeah. so anytime it occurs to me that I'm like, oh, Clubhouse, I'm going to become Clubhouse. I'm going to master Clubhouse or, you know, whatever it is this week that I've decided I want to put all of my enthusiasm and energy into. She's like, put it on your list. You'll have uh-huh. plenty of time to build your empire. But what you need to do is you need to reach these milestones you've set for yourself first. And so it sort of, first of all, it gives me the brain dump to get it out of my head totally. and put mm-hmm. it somewhere. But it keeps me focused on on task completion, which is the biggest difficulty for me. And I think for most entrepreneurs who have ADHD, which is every week you want to pivot and you want to do something else and you don't get to yeah. finish the thing that you were super obsessed with last week. And, and so... Um, constraint, right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. so it's actually done an amazing, I've had amazing growth, which feels almost like it's antithetical, you know, like you would think (laughs) that expansion and ideas and chasing things is growth, but no, like the growth is in the runway, you (laughs) know, yes. Super funny. Last night I was on a coaching call. I had quite a few different deadlines I had to meet before I woke up today and I was on a coaching call at five o'clock PM and she was talking about constraint and about <laughs> understanding like our priorities 
And I went in the chat and I was like, it was a group group coach call. And I said, right now, I know that my priority should be elsewhere, but this is more fun. And everyone's mm. like, get off Camden. We'll see you later. <laughs> Hit the road, Camden. And I was like, okay, thanks for the support guys. Click. <laughs> you know, and it was so ironic that even on an ADHD coaching call that is supposed to help me, right? For that exact purpose, I was trying to take on too many things. I wasn't constraining down. And as soon as I constrained down, I had some of the most incredible breakthroughs when I hopped off that call and gave all of my attention to one thing. And I was like, this is so hilarious that it took me five minutes of that coaching call to remind me I needed to not be on the call. I needed to be in what was most important on my list. So you're like yeah. totally reflecting, like you're um, highlighting something. I just lived last night. So great. <laughs> I know. And that was another thing too, that has really helped me in my business, which is, I remember getting, I remember listening to a podcast years ago and there was a woman, I think it's Latham Thomas but I'm not sure if that was her or not. But anyway, she had said like, it, when it comes to taking on new projects, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And I was oh, like, oh, that makes sense. But then I was like, but everything is a hell yes when you have ADHD. <laughs> it's really difficult because everything feels urgent and exciting and immediate in the in the moment. And, and it, I remember with my business coach, she was also telling me like, she was explaining, she was like, we were talking about a business relationship that I had. And I just was like, it was the longest, most stable relationship I had outside of my marriage. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you talk about it like it's not a great thing. And she was, you know, she made that connection. Like, you know, we don't get excited about things that are stable and oh, healthy, funny. right? She was yeah. like, why do you talk about it? Like, it's like, meh, it's okay. She's like that, you know, it's interesting where, again, like where you put your priorities and it really yeah. made me realize like, oh, right. Like if it's a hell yes, that's almost like a red flag for me now. <laughs> <laughs> because then second. I think, right. <laughs> I'm like, why is this exciting? You know, <laughs> what is happening? What's, what's happening here with all of this dopamine? Why is, you know, it's like, and it's sort of like clubhouse is a great example. Clubhouse was one of those things that I immediately was like, got so excited about. And it's a terrible place for somebody with ADHD because there's <laughs> so much happening and so many rooms and you go in and out. So and conversations. Said that it's totally stressful for me. It's so <laughs> stressful and it's so dizzying. And I'm yeah. like, I should not be here. And, and then I get off, yes. you know? And yeah. then I remember it exists. And then I'm like, ooh, it's so shiny and, di and dizzying <laughs> and so much is happening. And then I go back because I'm like, ooh, I bet there's something for me to find, you know, and I'll see a room that looks appealing and I dive in and and yeah. and have, usually I'll have like a great conversation or something like there's- Of course. And then it starts all over. The whole like clubhouse obsession starts over again in my brain. So it's like, now I'm almost like, if I'm, if something feels like I'm super excited about it, and that's, that's now like- <laughs> Error, right. error. <laughs> it's sad <laughs> or at least well that it just like at least it's it's just sort of it's it's you know what are those like brain associations where like you know if you if you open the cup cabinet door that it reminds you that you have to take your meds or those yes. sort of those yeah. it's a visual double take. yeah there's something there's a name for those visual associations but yeah uh -huh. so now I'm like I'm training myself that when Good. I get butterflies that I'm like okay Let's uh -huh. take a look pause. and pause, pause and yeah. and figure out why I'm so excited about something. <laughs> totally. I it's it's very smart. Don't you feel like that's one of your great for me and it sounds like you're getting there that that becomes one of your greatest strengths. It's not that we 
um, push it away or pretend like it doesn't exist, but we take time to time out to pause and to say, okay, is this something that aligns with my values? Mm. Mm-hmm. And right now, and the better we get at that, the more we can embrace who we are, that we are this excited person, that it does give us butterflies, that this is fun, but we're not trying to suppress that. We're not trying to push the, 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 uh, beach ball underneath the pool water, Ooh, you know, just waiting like for it that. to explode. Right. It's one of my coaches tell me that tells me that like, we're not doing that. Like, Oh, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You know, but we're like looking at it instead and saying, huh, what do I want to do with this? Right. It's so nice to know that we're in charge, even though our brain and our feelings and everything is so supercharged that we still have the ultimate say. And that's what I love, like what you just said, right? You're like, hmm, this is a trigger. This is a, huh. When I feel butterflies, it's like a, that means pause. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is that word? Association? Um, Yeah. Whatever it is, because that's where the change comes. That's where the change happens with our ADHD is like, Now we understand how our body works and our normal reaction is to do this, but it doesn't always get us the results we like. So what do we want to do instead? And it puts the, it's the, puts the power in our court. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So now tell me about TikTok because I, TikTok was another thing like Clubhouse where Uh I first, I first joined and got the app years ago when it first Mm -hmm. started and I first heard about it and I went in and I spent probably eight hours in bed scrolling and was like, this is bad for me. I need to, you know, I need to delete this and get rid of it. And I, Uh I, and ignored it for um, until somebody had mentioned, I think it was on a Facebook group, they had talked about, tic, uh, you know, ADHD TikTok and how yeah. great it was. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just dabble, right? <laughs> who does, who dabbles in social media? Um, ADHDers don't dabble in anything. No. Uh, but <laughs> so, so I, I re-downloaded it. And then immediately, I think that's where I found you. I found, I mean, it was, it's such, it's such a prolific place for yeah. ADHD. And, and I'm curious as to like, if what your opinion is as to why, what it is, what is it about the minute video um, and yeah. that medium? Because it's, it's There's really a, lot to a it. great medium um, in terms of like self uh, reflection and, and mm-hmm. finding moments in time that hit you in a way that, that, you know, just reading a newspaper article or something won't Would do. I, yeah. I, th- I think that as a whole, the, the platform as a whole, like talking about all people, not just ADHDers is really interesting because it's, it is just like these snapshots of time and the integration of movement, a video of music, of trends. Once you learn a trend and then you find a trend that now is really <laughs> hone in on who you are. The TikTok algorithm is really freaky. It really reads you very well. It gets to know you very quickly. And so the the videos that it pushes out to you are based upon your past likes, how long you stay on a video, your past comments, what you share, um, what you hesitate on. Like it's freaky, (laughs) you know, how well it gets to know you. So I think that that is also really helpful, but particularly for an ADHD mind, we need, um, and if we're talking about ADHD advocacy or education, those bite-sized pieces are all we need, you know, give, Mm -hmm. give us a, give us, I guess I say, give give them an inch and they'll take a mile. (laughs) It's kind of like an ADHD idea too, right? Just give us a little bit of insight and we have the creativity. We have the, the impulse, (laughs) 
we have the knowledge and the, and the wherewithal to go find out more. And so what I see with a lot of ADHD influencers on TikTok and professionals, there's, you know, lots of psychologists on there and therapists as well, is that we just kind of give people some bite-sized pieces and some personal experiences that help us not feel so alone. And when we don't feel so alone, then we're not as afraid to go learn either. Um, I'm so glad for so many people that are better versed. I'm so sorry. In the science of ADHD than I am, I am happy to lean on them. I don't, (laughs) I don't pretend to know all the science, but what I do understand is the implications of the science and how that looks like in my life and what I've done then to kind of get in better control of my life. So that's where I speak from. Uh, But yeah, being fed those bite-sized pieces, one swipe at a time, really gets our brain going. And of course there's dopamine hits <clears throat> associated with that. Every time we swipe is what's going to be there. What's going to be next? Is I know, it right? Mental health. Is it going to be, <laughs> is it going to be like <laughs> monkeys in the jungle? Like, what is it going to be? <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> that is a total dopamine burst. So we have to be, you know, uh, understanding about that. But I think that's why there's so many ADHD years on the app. Oh, I know. Right. Well, yeah, it's the same thing with social media, which is like, or even just phones, you know, the advent of iPhones and, and smartphones in general, where they're like, where pe- there's the one side of the coin where people will say, you know, everybody feels like they have ADHD. It's because they're addicted to their phones. And you're like, well, no, it's not like, I mean, AD- our phones aren't giving us all ADHD. There's just the people who already had ADHD fall victim to a lot of these sort of these, this bait, you know, a lot of that bait that seems to be suck out tunnels. there. Right. Yeah. I call them suck tunnels. Yeah. You just suck in and then you're. Yeah. But I'm very curious because of my own journey and, and now watching people seeing themselves and, you know, that feeling of like, I'm seeing a lot of ADHD memes and they're finding them really relatable. And, you know, that watching that journey on people, like, I think that validation and, and recognition is such an important part of our journey too. And in terms of, you know, immediately like, you know, Facebook groups where every post feels like, is it just me or is this ADHD? And they'll say, so, you know, like, Oh, like I was in the shower this morning and I've had, uh, you know, the Holderness family. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So he just did this video ADHD yeah. to the oh, tune of it. under the sea. It makes me so cry and laugh bad. every time. So good. <laughs> I've watched it a few times. So good. I love them. And I love the advocacy and I love how positive it is. And there's actually some really great suggestions. Like it's just everything about it. The production value is so high. Um, But the song has been, the the original Under the Sea song has been in my head since last Wednesday (laughs) as a result. And so I'm sitting, you know, I'm in the shower singing Under the Sea, which is a fantastic song. Uh, (laughs) so many key changes it's just it's a great ride it is. right it's awesome and you could it's like you know when you have ADHD you like try to harmonize with yourself in real time do you ever try to do that but, but maybe they get the echo just right I know. <laughs> um but I was thinking like you know our earworm is that something that we struggle with a lot more you know is, do, do we tend to get earworms a lot more than the average person and then I was like mm-hmm. I should go onto a group and ask other people and you know and so there's something I don't know if it's the fact that we are just so inquisitive and such puzzle solvers that like you know you don't say I like the color green you're like why do I like the color green what does it yeah. say about me that I like the color green who else likes the color green so is it just the fact that we're inquisitive in nature or is there something just like um 
you know, something really like visceral and, and, and is that a, is that like a fundamental need for people with ADHD or, or anyone who is neurodiverse to sort of feel recognized, you know? Yeah, it's a really good question. <laughs> I'm very curious. I should definitely be more inquisitive about that question. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, don't know. I would tell you that it is very common. Yeah, absolutely. Extremely common. I, it's one of those very, very high up there things. And I think it has a lot to do with personality as well. Um, but it gets, I think, honestly, that's what gets a lot of younger kids in trouble is that they're so inquisitive with ADHD that it becomes like it wears on the adults. Kids are inquisitive anyway, but if you have to know. Mm, The impulsivity. Yeah, absolutely. Then like, I need to have IMDB with me. I need to have IMDB with me at all times when I am watching TV or movies or I can't (laughs) watch them. (laughs) Yeah. I have to know constantly like, where do I know this guy from? Who do I know? Where, who, what else were they in? Um, It bugs you, right? It's like that that thing in in the back of your brain. I see this a lot with my daughter. It's something that's very difficult for her to understand. Like you might really need for this to be solved, but right now in the general family, it's not the highest priority, Mm. but to her, it's absolutely like, can't get off of it. You know, can't, can't get off of obsessing about it. And then we can get into comorbidities of course of that and everything gets, you know, um, tangled in that web as well. But I think you're right. And I think that when you ask, like, can it be a strength? Yeah. (laughs) It can be an absolute strength. That's what actually, you know, got me into learning about ADHD was because I needed answers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one thing that I, I, I've, I, you know, I've talked about imposter syndrome when it comes to coaching and sort of feeling like, do I even have the authority to say these things? But I think there's this other imposter syndrome that we struggle with with ADHD, which is, do I even have ADHD? You know, yeah. that fear. I, I think it was an interview you were doing. With, it was the interview you did with the Akini, um, mm-hmm. where you were talking about that fear of going to the doctor's office after you just oh, felt yeah. so seen by yeah. ADHD and that you were like, what did they, what are they going to what happens if they say I don't have it, you know? And I related to that. I think so many of us have that fear, which is like, I relate so deeply to so much of this literature, to so the memes, the community, Uh and like, what if I don't actually have it? And I, I, and I've, I've decided that if you feel that way, you have it. (laughs) If you feel deeply seen by the literature and the community and, and, and you've, then that should be a tip off yeah. that it's, you're not just like, ha I lost my keys relatable that you're just sort of like, Oh my God, this is life changing validation yeah. that I needed. And everything feels different. Like those are yeah. usually the tip offs. And so it's, I, it makes, I feel bad when people are like, you know, especially when I reach out to people to interview where they say, I wasn't officially diagnosed. Is that okay? And I'm like, girlfriend, like, first of all, <laughs> it, it like, we do more research than most medical professionals when it comes to ADHD. So chances are you're going to come in there with more information than they have. Like, you know, you, you are your ex, you are the expert of your own self. Right. And so uh, I don't think anybody fakes a diagnosis in that way. Why would you, what what advantage does that give you? And the other thing is a lot of people say, well, I don't want them to think I'm a drug seeker. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, but what advantages that give you at this point that you weren't like, Ooh, I need this medication. So therefore I'm going to start to like, no, what you're telling me right now is that you feel once again, deeply about time blindness, about, uh, really sucky, uh, short-term memory about 
friends that feel like that you're terrible friends. Like that has nothing to do with medication. So let's trust yourself a little bit here. And I think in that same interview, one of the biggest breakthroughs that came to me was I went to my psych- my psychiatrist and I said, I don't care to be right, but I need to get to the bottom of what's happening. And this is all the things that I found out. <laughs> and I brought them in and I had done multiple evaluations. And then I had written on the back of those evaluations, personal experiences from everything, how it was impacting my life, um, why I felt a diagnosis would be helpful for me. Like it was all laid out. And I said, I don't need to be right, but here's everything I've done. And here's what I feel like the impact is. And I think that that as, as individuals that are thinking about maybe getting a diagnosis, when you feel something that deeply, just like what you said, exactly what you just said, Katie, like when it like fills your soul that you feel like it's another organ in your body, <laughs> like it so belongs like as a part of you, then you've got to trust yourself. And that's when you must advocate for yourself. Yeah. You know, like you can't let someone else's opinion. Cause my first doctor completely dismissed me and said, I can't do anything for you, you know? And, and it brought me to tears in the office is very embarrassing. <laughs> but when you feel that deeply that this is something that um, needs to be seen, then at least finding a, a therapist or a clinician that hears you, that they don't have to diagnose you that first meeting, but if you feel like they can actually hear you and understand you and validate you, please, that, that, that's where we need to start out and, and know that you know yourself best. Just like you said, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I I often feel like the diagnosis itself is half the treatment, you know, like I, yes, meds are important, but just that, that initial, you know, just the realization that this yes. has a name that it has, you can label it and you can start to help yourself for the first time, you know, like that the diagnosis is in so many ways, how we treat ourselves and yeah. how we, ad- and like you said, how we advocate for ourselves and how we, you know, put your foot in the sand or draw the line of whatever the metaphor is, <laughs> put your foot down, because you feel like you have a right to ask for what you need now, which you might've never need you. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, I could talk your face off for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we like to do, man. It's so fun. <laughs> okay. So we, so we have talked about the ADHD directory, ADH. Yeah. How do you even do you say ADHD? directory ADH directory yeah. directory. okay uh, so I'll have a link to it in the show notes but um you know how can how can listeners find you and support you what are your yeah that's that's the best way I mean I, I do have a podcast called wake up with Camden it's mostly just a really short one that's I, I did that on purpose it's pretty much just like a live of me talking about my thoughts um mindset it's mostly mindset uh, that that can help ADHD or not specifically for ADHD years, but definitely it will help <laughs> all ADHD years. Cause that's how I've worked on my mindset. Um, uh, but yeah, TikTok and Instagram is Camden underscore ADHD and then ADHD directory.com. And, uh, there I can, you know, match you with your own coach. And then I do my own coaching called Dreamcatcher coaching. Once again, for small businesses that are starting up for ADHD years, it needs structure. Yeah. You know, not much. <laughs> I do do a couple things. It's so fun. It's all, it's all the same. It's just, you know, you find people that you want to serve and then you just think about the best way to serve them. We're going to be opening up a a group coaching as well. That's going to be very affordable for many people. And I'm doing that because I meet so many people on TikTok from all different walks of life. 
And I want to introduce them to the coaches in my directory. And so we're going to be opening that up this spring. So that's something to look forward to. Um, and it's kind of like that first step into the community uh, and really, really happy, <laughs> really happy to be able to provide that service. It'd be great. You, yeah, I think one reason why you have resonated with so many people with ADHD, I think is the fact, maybe it's the fact that you're a teacher, I don't know, but like you are, you nurture in a way that I think is really important. Oh, and, and and it fills that need that a lot of us have, which is like the positivity, the gratitude, the mindset. And, and um, so I, I, I wanted to Thanks. make sure I told you how, Thank you. like, yeah, cared it's been, for. <laughs> I think I, you make so people happy. feel. I'm, it still kind of shocks me. Some people I'm like, there's so many people out there. And I watch, you know, I'll watch all of my friends and all of my, what do you call them? I don't know, fellow influencers, whatever you want to call them mm. on TikTok. And I'm like, wow, they've got it. You know, like they, they've got it down. Like I'm, I'm a mom, <laughs> you know, like I show up and it's not really to discredit me. It's just the amount of energy that you can put into this. is just different when you have three kids, it just is. And when you're, you know, not 20 years old, you know? And so I so appreciate people like yourself saying that because it's true. We, every person listening to this podcast, not listening to this podcast, every person has something beautiful to bring to the world. And you're going to attract the kind of people that need to hear you. And I also have faith and I also have hope that the people that my friends need to attract will be attracted to them. And sometimes there's crossover, but that there's just like this abundance of um, loveliness of, of attraction and, and magnetic, you know, nature that you will find what you need to find. And that's another reason why I love my directory too, is because I know I'm not for everyone, but I know that other people could be the perfect match for them. Mm -hmm. And that is such a joy to know that I don't have to be everything for everyone. I just have to be Camden. I, excuse me, I get to be Camden. And if Camden is what you need today, I will always be here. But if something else and someone else is something that needs you, that you need for the long, the long haul, then let's find them for you. And that that's going to then allow them to show up as their most authentic self. So it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we... One thing I always appreciate about the ADHD community, and I think I can also appreciate it myself as well, is the heightened sense of empathy that is oh, felt and shared. It's such a supportive community because I think we we tend to have heightened empathy because of the struggle, you know? And, and so seeing somebody who is still struggling with something that you no longer struggle with is so difficult. It's like you want to drop everything and help that person um, because you get you get that, you feel that struggle so deeply. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> I was just on a call right before this. And that's exactly what we talked about. He said, what's one of your strengths with having ADHD? I'm like, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> it was empathy. It yeah. is. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I so appreciate your time. I really enjoyed talking to you and, and Aww. I love what you're putting out there and I, you. you're such a great resource for this community. So thank you for, thank you for having doing. me. This was so much fun. And I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. How wonderful. Keep subscribing, people. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, 
As you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who is diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.